Hello and welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. This week's case is a true blue Australian one for you, and it's one that has stuck with me since hearing about it years ago on a Forensic Files episode. I'm pretty sure it was Forensic Files. I actually couldn't find the episode again, so you know, who knows. It is very gruesome and involves cannibalism, so be prepared. This week, I'm actually recording in the morning. We've got a morning recording happening. So, you know, I've got my coffee. I'm in my pajamas. (laughs) Um, Yeah, nothing glamorous happening over here. I can tell you that. I also have to start a new job today. So I thought I would record this, um, have it edited so I can have it out on it'll still be out on friday so march 1st 2000 aberdeen new south wales australia police uh they discover a grisly scene a real grizzle fest in the home of john price human skin hanging like a curtain in a doorway in the home a human head boiled in a pot of water and vegetables on the stove yikes so what's happened here well let's get into it ken and barbara knight had Catherine in october of 1955 along with her twin sister joy which i find very interesting because in a nature verse nurture study we will find out later would be pretty interesting to see uh anyways so Catherine and her twin were born in aberdeen new south wales australia and their parents were both abattoir workers um the surrounding industry being primarily cattle farming and coal mining which are both very tough jobs for those who don't know the term abattoir, it's a meat processing center. So it's a slaughterhouse with a fancy name. So animals go in like cows and pigs to which there is like a, a kill floor, like a slaughter floor. And I believe that's where they get like, I don't, I'm not really sure. I've never been in one. I've never worked in one. My partner worked in one for a little while. So I was asking him all kinds of questions about it last night. Seems like an unpleasant place but the animals go in there's a slaughter floor aka a kill floor which i think the name speaks for itself so between the uh kill floor and when the meat is processed and shipped out there are many jobs in between such as a room called the awful room which is what Catherine started doing for a job at the age of 16 after she dropped out of high school. It is reported that Catherine's home life was pretty rough and there was abuse in in their household. They seemed to move around a lot and Catherine says her mother used to used to beat her. Um, Catherine's parents, Ken and Barbara, they used to fight physically a lot and allegedly the her father ken would rape her mother in front of the children a lot so Catherine would have witnessed these horrific you know things at a, at a very young age 
And she even claims that she had been sexually abused at a young age by members of her family. Not her father, though. She said her father never sexually abused her. Also, I mentioned that Catherine started work on the awful floor of a slaughterhouse. So awful, I'm not, it doesn't mean in this case, like, oh, that's so awful. Awful means like guts and intestines of an animal so it was like the the guts room so in school Catherine went before she dropped out when she was in school she was very aggressive and violent she had outbursts a she was getting into fist fights and probably because that's what she saw at home and, and that's what she she thought that's how people act you know so at 15 years old, she drops out. 16, she starts work at the abattoir in the awful room, the guts room. An awful room is where, like I was saying, like all the guts get sent to after being removed from the animal. Then I assume get sorted. Um, as my partner was saying, in an abattoir, every bit of the animal gets used because any bit that doesn't get used, well, that's that's loss of profit. So things such as stomach bile is often turned into um, like a product to use in perfumes and then I could imagine I'm not sure but I know like a lot of dog food will say like may contain pig kangaroo blah 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 and or and or and maybe that's where this comes from so this case actually really reminded me of a Canadian guy, Robert Picton, who killed lots of women over a long period of time. I can't I think it was like a decade or something. I haven't covered this case yet, but I really want to being Canadian. And it was one of Canadian's most horrific cases. So yeah, this case really reminds me of that. And he was killing women on his farm for years and years and years. He had a pig farm and he would feed the bodies to the pigs and whatever the pigs couldn't eat, he sent it off to a rendering plant and a rendering plant, they like render down like hair and just like parts of the animal that can't really be processed into anything and then they turn that stuff into products they use in like cosmetics and jello so yeah it just really reminds me a lot of that case I will cover I will cover that case um, but it's a huge case so it's gonna take me a while to do it might even be a a, two, a dub dub parter a double parter who knows so anyways Catherine was working on the awful floor then moved to boning floor I don't know if it's a floor or if it's like a station so then she was moved to boning um, which if I were to guess is a floor that they remove the bones from I'm not sure if she was working with cows or pigs to be honest so anyways I'm just going to say animals so this is the floor she would remove the bones from the meat this abattoir killed and boned 600 animals a day holy crap that's a lot I think it was cows Catherine got really good with her knives and she treasured them even sleeping with them nearby her Catherine liked to go down to the slaughter floor and just watch the animals getting slaughtered. Catherine would purposefully nick an artery so she could like watch blood spurt out. And I think she did this on 
like the floor where the animal maybe gets sent after. I don't think she did it while the animal was alive, thankfully. Um, but she just really liked that whole shock factor. She just was really into this job and she really loved it. That's like a huge red flag because nobody loves working in an abattoir. It was around this time that Catherine met Dave Kellett and they were wildin' together. So one day, Dave, he had a good idea. And his idea was to propose to, at the time, 18-year-old Catherine. And she said, yes! On their wedding day, Catherine's mother, Barbara, warned David that if you play up on her, she will fucking kill you. Those are her exact words. Those are the exact words of Catherine's mother to her her son-in-law. Yikes, what a warning. I could just imagine what that wedding was like. Oh, I wish I was there. The night of their wedding, David saw firsthand how scary Catherine could be. So I'm not sure if he saw the signs before he proposed or if because everybody says that when Catherine wanted to be sweet and charming and lovely she could and then when she didn't she would not so it's possible that maybe she had hid her psychopathic tendencies until after the wedding but I gotta tell you it wasn't that long after the wedding so the night of the wedding recently married first night being married David saw how scary Catherine could be when she didn't get what she wanted. So that night, Catherine and David had sex two times. And then David fell asleep. Okay, you know, no worries. Um, Or he passed out. He had been drinking in, you know, in celebration of his wedding. So David woke up to Catherine strangling him because she was upset that he couldn't have sex more because she knew her parents had had sex five times on their wedding night and she wanted to beat this number or match this number I'm not really sure either way it's disturbing children don't usually know how many times their parents had sex on their wedding night because why the hell would you ever tell your kids that so anyways he's being strangled and he's like oh good lord somehow he gets out of it and he survives during their marriage Catherine was very abusive and violent to David but as I was saying she can also be very charming and very lovely she's very manipulative David's sister she even stayed with them in Aberdeen and said that they got along with each other but also said Catherine's mood could turn on a dime like one minute she could be really happy and then like the next second I'm not even gonna say minute I'm gonna say the next second full-on rage mode like throwing things yelling screaming at the age of 20 Catherine was expecting their first child and in May 1976 uh, their baby was born soon after this Catherine got mad at David for some reason perhaps she found out he had been playing around on him or he got home late but she has a thing about men getting home late which we will see anyways so she gets mad at David she takes a broken beer bottle and tries to stab him with it so that is straight up psycho territory 
David eventually leaves Catherine and runs away to another state with his new girlfriend. So July 1976, their baby was only three months old and Catherine was pissed that David had took off because nobody leaves Catherine. So she is so mad that David took off um, in, in an absolute insane plan of revenge she takes their three-month-old baby and puts the little baby on train tracks where she knew a train would be going on Um, and she just walks away luckily someone found the baby or people were like watching her because she had been like walking through the streets just like you know very noticeably angry So somebody was watching her or somebody stumbled across the baby and they saved the baby. They took the baby off the tracks and they were like, what the actual fuck? So what was Catherine doing while she was waiting for her baby to get run over on the train tracks? Well, she had ran into someone's backyard and found an axe and was swinging it around her head like she was like ah i'm catherine and i got an axe (laughs) okay i don't know if she said that but that's what i envisioned in my head catherine was taken to a psychiatric hospital after this but got out that same day which she shouldn't have they really messed up this one then that same day she holds a family hostage with a knife and tries to get them to take her to David's mother house, mother's house, probably to also hold his mother hostage as well, probably to get him to do something, maybe come back or I have no idea how her mind works, but that's what she wanted. And apparently the family that she had taken hostage, she like ran over to their house and she was like oh my baby's sick I need a ride to the hospital and then they were like okay like of course we'll help you so their like teenage daughter goes into Catherine's house and Catherine goes over to the crib I'm assuming her baby isn't there I'm assuming they didn't give her baby back after putting it on the train tracks but what is in the baby's bed is surprise surprise Catherine's favorite a knife And Catherine pulls this knife out of the baby's crib and starts chasing this teenager around her house with this knife. And (laughs) I laugh, but because it's terrifying, not because it's funny. But she chases her outside and she ends up like cutting the girl's face and then getting into like the car with the family and being like, take me here. And so that's how this whole hostage situation started. But... Um, they stop at a gas station and the family convinces Catherine to let go of the little boy because he's asthmatic um, and he probably would have needed his puffer and it was that young boy that escaped the hostage situation who called the police and after a bit of a hectic scene um, Catherine was sent back to the psychiatric hospital the next day Catherine is released um, but she's released into I think it's her mother's care and David drives back to Aberdeen to get his baby because he's like oh my goodness like my baby's mother is just wilding out there I need to go get my baby so upon arrival Catherine's mother Barbara starts strangling David she's like and David's like so we can see where Catherine gets her conflict resolution 
solutions from. David's mother, Florence, she was in the car with David. She was in the backseat and she just couldn't believe what was happening. She had never seen people act this way. It was terrifying to her. She was like, oh my God, my son's going to die and there's nothing I can do about it. And he's getting choked by this crazy lady. So then Catherine, she eventually comes running out of the house and beats her mother off of David. David put up with so much abuse and violence and you know he never showed any signs of abuse back he would try to avoid it or he would walk away but he wouldn't he de- he in all everything that i heard he never fought back he never choked her back he never hit her back i don't know which is maybe why catherine targeted somebody like him because she knew he wouldn't he wouldn't fight back so for some reason catherine and david they get back together and they move to they move out of new south wales they move to queensland to woodridge just near brisbane They both found jobs and Catherine was back in an abattoir. David's sister was visiting them and, you know, one day she could hear the baby screaming and crying in the bathroom, like, like really loud, painful screams. And when she looked in to see why, she saw Catherine holding the baby under the hot water tap as hot water poured out of the tap onto the baby's skin and the baby was just screaming is in so much pain she was in so much pain just wow totally you know imagine looking in in non bathroom and seeing that his his sister told david what what she had seen and david told his sister don't say anything to catherine tonight because she will kill us while we sleep whoa what what could you imagine getting that response oh man i'd be out of that house it's it's so messed up how could anyone sleep around Catherine? like ever like you have that in the back of your mind like oh i better not make her mad or she'll kill me in my sleep and then you're like good night since Catherine was back working at the abattoir it meant she had her beloved knives back in action And she had them displayed hanging over the bed where her and David slept because she said, you know, she might need them. Catherine had an affair during this time, but somehow convinced David to stay together, even though he had caught her in the act while she was in bed with another man. They decided to move and try to work things out. They then get pregnant again, but things get worse. They don't get better. In 1979, Catherine attacks David with a frying pan, giving him a skull fracture that could have killed him. Like he spent a week in the hospital from this. That same night, she lit all of his clothes on fire in the bathtub because he came home late from a darts competition. Catherine convinces David not to press charges and the police wanted to, but because he wouldn't press charges, police have no choice but to leave the situation alone march 1980 Catherine and david's second daughter is born another girl soon after this Catherine woke david up with a knife threatening to stab him she didn't but she, he was sleeping and then all of a sudden she's like hey hey and then and then he wakes up and she's like are you cheating on me i'm gonna fucking kill you or something like that and he was like no 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 um so that was really messed up and but he didn't leave her she ended up packing up her stuff and she left david as you know she thought that he was having an affair she was over it so nobody leaves Catherine, but Catherine can leave anyone 
David came home one day and Catherine and the two kids were gone. They went back to Aberdeen where Catherine met another man named Dave. Dave was a tough man who had previously worked in a coal mine. It was said he was a pretty hard drinker. So he and Catherine, they start dating, but not long into the relationship, things get out of control. One night, Dave, so I'm calling this guy Dave, and her first husband is David. So we've got David, and now we're on to Dave. So one night, Dave got home late. And as we heard earlier, Catherine doesn't like this at all. But instead of a frying pan this time, she had an iron in her hand. And she hit Dave across the face with it and tried to beat in his head. Like tried to full on like smash his skull in. Dave had had enough. And one day he decided he was going to leave Catherine. Well, she very much disliked this idea. I'm going to give a warning right now. There is animal cruelty coming up and it is hard to hear. So uh, maybe skip ahead about a minute. So she's fighting with Dave. Dave wants to leave her. She gets up. She goes outside. She grabs Dave's dingo puppy and if you have never seen a dingo puppy then google a picture because they are just so cute which is what makes this next part so unbelievable and just hard when i when someone tells me a story i envision it so this next part i was like oh god like it actually makes me sick so Catherine grabs the dingo puppy and as dave stood there watching she sliced the puppy's throat like clean through with her favorite tool a knife oh so horrific um this is literally how movies get you to hate a character they write in a scene of them killing a dog it's like it's just so cruel and sad and nobody likes a puppy killer so the puppy died from the injury and as hard as he tried he couldn't get away from Catherine, not the puppy dave and in 1988 they had a baby together apparently Catherine used sex as a weapon and she would like use it to control men i don't know how she was doing this um it was reported that she was really good in in bed so maybe that has something to do with it i don't know so yes so they have a daughter in 1988 the year i was born um and when their daughter was two years old dave managed to leave Catherine. like but he had to like go into hiding like he took long service leave from his job i think he even went to another state and he like a bunkered down he was like no way she cannot ever find me here so yeah he ran away and went into hiding because Catherine had no control over that, she quickly moved on to another man named John Chillingworth. And in 1991, she had a baby with this guy after knowing each other for less than a year. She ended up leaving this guy, but then met another man named John Price in 1993. This relationship soon turns into the same situation as all her other ones. She begins abusing John as well as even stabbing him with a kitchen knife. Yikes. So John has three kids of his own and Catherine has four. 
Everyone who knows John says he's a hardworking, decent guy. You know, he's a true blue Aussie. He likes his beer. He likes his trucks. He likes his his job. He wasn't known to be violent or aggressive at all. In fact, one of his children say that he used to always tell them, like, you know, don't worry about it. Like, just be happy. Just keep being happy. So that was kind of his outlook on life, you know? Like, he was like, whatever happens, I'll make it through and, and I will be happy. So Catherine moves in hard and fast on John. A year and a half into the relationship, Catherine wanted to get married. I think it was 18 months into the relationship. She was like, John, let's get married. And John was like, no, he he didn't really want to do that. And of course, this made Catherine very angry. So Catherine targeted one of John's daughters one day who was only 13 years old. She tells her, she tells her that John isn't actually her father and that her mother had an affair, which wasn't true at all. Catherine also got John fired from his job by reporting to his employer that he had been stealing and even went as far as to send them video of an expired first aid kit that he had taken from work. So this expired first aid kit, they were throwing them out at work and John had asked his boss or somebody at his work he was like hey can I have this like it's it's past date and you guys are throwing it out and his work said um yeah sure whatever but then Catherine sent the video to the company so it I think it went to maybe the higher-ups and they said they had to fire him because it was like a procedure or something I'm not sure but that really hurt him and it's also really shit of the company as well because it's an expired first aid kit so you know relax but they had to fire him and and this really hurt him because he his whole persona his whole thing was you know he was a hard working man he he loved working so for him to be unemployed was very hard on him the thing that the, and the thing that made her go this nasty it just it wasn't that he wouldn't marry her but she did that because she found his will and he was leaving everything to his kids and his ex-wife he was very devoted to his ex-wife and his kids and Catherine hated this he you know he wouldn't even allow Catherine to move into his house but she was always there so when she found the will she told John to pay her ten thousand dollars and she would leave he was like no first she was like marry me and he says no then she's like pay me to leave and he says no this woman is so confusing. Like, marry me. I want to leave. Marry me. I want to leave. I'll kill your dog. I'll stab you. I'll lie to your kids. Like, what? So he couldn't get away from Catherine, but he does get another job. So he's got a new job and he even confides in coworkers for like he for like the first time. He, you know, he wasn't really talking about this. He confides to coworkers about the abuse he is suffering from Catherine and even shows them where she had previously stabbed him. He then tries to get a restraining order, but police tell him it will take three weeks. John even told workmates, hey, if I don't show up to work, then you know she killed me. Even neighbors knew this and friends. The the abuse had gotten so bad, John knew he was going to die. February 29th, 2000, the same day he tried to get the restraining order, he goes home even though co-workers are telling him not to, but John's worried about his kids, so he does. Because he thinks, oh man, if I don't go home, she's going to get mad. 
I won't be there. My kids will be there and she will have access to them. And, you know, she's not above taking it out on on children, which is terrifying. But that night, Catherine had sent her kids out to go stay with a friend and John's kids were at their mother's house, so his ex-wife's house. So the kids weren't there. Later on in the night at about 1130, Catherine goes to John's house. I'm assuming she just lets herself in, watches TV, showers, and puts on some lingerie she had just bought earlier that day. It was like a little black negligee thing. She then crawls into John's bed where he's asleep. She wakes him up, they have sex, and he goes back to sleep. John is then violently woken up by being stabbed 37 times by Catherine. He tried to escape. He made it out of the bedroom and down the hallway, staining the walls with blood along the way. She then took... So it was it was bloody. It was brutal. It was vicious. 37 times. is That's a lot of times to stab somebody. So he did eventually die from these injuries. He would have bled out pretty quickly. She then took another shower, probably to... She probably was covered in blood. She took his bank card, drove to an ATM, and stole about $1,000 out of his bank account. She then drove back to John's house, took out her trusty knives, and used her skills that she had developed from decades of abattoir work. So this is the part where it gets brutal. I mean, usually we hear someone was stabbed 37 times and they tried to escape and their blood stained the walls of the house and we usually end it there that's usually where where it ends but not here so she gets out her favorite instruments her knives and she starts to skin john's entire body and she does it in one piece without even nicking a single bone it was flawless to her this was like art and i'm sure she was very proud of it I'm going to say I know she was proud of it because she took meat hooks, um, put the skin on meat hooks, and then hung it in a door frame of the home. Yikes, that is some real Texas Chainsaw Massacre shit. She then cut off John's head and placed it in a pot of boiling water and vegetables on the stove still not done she also cut off chunks of meat from john's back possibly the glutes area and she cut it into five chunks which she cooked in the oven now that she had a meal prepared all she had to do was serve it but to who who whom whom Uh, whom i don't know to whom well catherine set the kitchen table with plates and name cards with notes and and photographs and the it was for john's children the photographs were of john's children and they had been like stabbed and and scratched and the notes read something like nobody can have him if i can't the full notes have never been released i think they were just so fucking disturbing so i don't know exactly what they read but basically Catherine wanted john's kids to eat their own father uh what 
Catherine threw another chunk, like, so there was like a couple chunks of this meat and she threw another chunk of it out on the lawn, possibly for animals or a dog, who knows. Catherine took John's remaining body and sat him in an armchair with his legs crossed. She then lays in bed and eats a ton of pills. So by this time it's morning and it's it's the 1st of March now. John hasn't showed up for work. So co-workers are like, oh shit, you know, she's killed him. Which is the opposite of what we usually hear in most cases. Usually co-workers say they didn't think anything horrible happened, but not this time. Also, a neighbor thought it was strange John's truck was still at home. So by this time... John's co-workers there you know they went over there looking for him and so did the neighbor they, they liked John you know and, and John had told them that he was having trouble there and he was concerned which made them concerned so they call police because when they're searching around looking in the windows and stuff they can see blood and man I bet you there was a lot of blood at this scene at 8 a.m police are now investigating and when they go into the house they are met with that grisly, grizzle fest, morbid dinner scene. So macabre. And what they think is a curtain hanging in the door frame. But when they go to push past that curtain, an officer feels his arm is wet. He's like, what? So he looks down and he sees his arm is covered in blood. And he was like, oh shit, like did I injure myself somehow? But nope. Then he realizes it's not a curtain and it's a fucking human pelt. This scene is so brutal. Like I think, I think you would, you would be pretty, pretty hard. It would be pretty hard to find an officer in, you know, a small town that has come across a, a more gruesome scene than this because it is like, yikes. So they find Catherine on the bed with pills around her, or like empty pill bottles or whatever. She's not responding. They get her out of the house. They get her to hospital um, and police keep searching the scene. So they found the curtain. I'm assuming they found John's body. They don't really go into detail about that. And, and then they find the pot on the stove. And they're like, oh, okay, I think we know what's in there. So when they lift the lid, and they look inside they see eyes looking back at them and they were like there's his head oh so she was obviously doing this to get to get a rise out of people like that's really messed up and that was Catherine for you the blood evidence tells police the story of what had happened the night before and they can see he was stabbed in bed you know tried to get away made it down the hall and almost out of the house it would have been like a, oh man, it's just like a horror movie. The police who were on the scene that day would be haunted by what they saw forever. The footage has actually been locked away and it's speculated anyone who sees it will need counseling. Um, and that's exactly what Catherine wanted. She loved scaring people with morbid things. Everyone says she is obsessed with death. And when police searched her house, they found a very dark macabre scene. She had animal heads and taxidermy animals all over. 
She had knives and old farm equipment stuck to the ceiling and walls, which normally I would say like, okay, whatever, like you're into that, you're into that. But the fact she skinned a man and cooked his head, that's what makes her house creepy. Otherwise, I would be like, oh, okay, you've you've just got like a macabre style, which is totally fine. So back at the hospital, Catherine wakes up and police are like, um, what's up? And Catherine is like, nothing, you? And police are like, did you skin and, and cook John? And she's like, um, I don't remember anything. I'm right, Catherine, of course you don't. Eventually, she confesses to remembering stabbing him, but basically says she was insane at the time. But police are like, mm, but you drove your car and you stole money from him. And then you drove your car home after stealing money from him and visiting an ATM and remembering his pin number. You drove home after you did this grizzle fest. And also, we have people saying that you had previously told them you were going to murder John and then plead insanity so you wouldn't go to jail. Catherine was like, what? Okay, I will plead guilty to manslaughter. And police are like, no, Catherine, no, you will not. 2001, she goes to trial. But it didn't last long as Catherine pleads guilty to murder and is sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. So originally she didn't plead guilty. So I think the trial started and then like the next day she was like, okay, I plead guilty. So I don't know. Australia doesn't have the death penalty. So she couldn't be trying to escape that. I'm not sure why she pled guilty, but she pleads guilty. So Catherine was 49 at the time of the murder. And if life means 25 years in this situation, then she'll be about 74 years old when she can be released. But if life means life, which could mean for the rest of her natural life with no possibility of parole, then she will be in prison until she dies there, which is what I think they meant in this situation. And Catherine did appeal the sentencing, saying she thought it was a bit too, you know, harsh. And I'm like, yikes, what you did was absolutely terrifying. So she was evaluated by healthcare professionals. And although she may have a borderline personality disorder, which in no way has anything to do with murdering someone, she is and was not insane now or then. She knew exactly what she was doing when she killed John, perfectly skinned his body, cooked him, set the table, wrote those notes, stole his money, drove all around, came back, showered, etc., etc. She knew the difference between right and wrong, and she understood the consequences, which means she was not insane. It means she was totally sane. So Catherine's sentence made her the first woman in Australia to receive life without parole. This case is truly one of a kind. I have never come across another one like it the author of a book called Bloodstain. So I watched an interview with him. I, I couldn't get a hold of this book. It wasn't in my local library. I would have had to go to another library and I just I didn't make it there in time. So the author of a book called Bloodstains, he said that he talked to the three exes of Catherine. Um, and he said they were all like very tough and rough, hardworking Australian men like you know and he said at at one point or another they would break into tears remembering the abuse that Catherine had put them through the author had many people say that 
when you see Catherine, she is so normal looking. Like if you ever crossed paths with her in the supermarket or on the street or whatever, you would never think that she's capable of doing something so gruesome. The guy was like, you would think she's a librarian or something. She's just so unassuming. Uh, Oh, and when I was searching this stuff about this case on youtube i found this really weird music video called skinned s-k-y-n-d skinned and then Catherine knight so i watched it i was like what the fuck is this music video wow it is very very weird i'm not even going to recommend watching it but it, it was just so weird it was like sexualizing skinning people it was fucked up so anyways so the documentary that i watched for this was beyond the Darklands, and they did a, a really in-depth um, episode on this case which is where i got a lot of my information and, and saw the interview from the author of the book bloodstain bloodstained bloodstains hold on let me look it up yes bloodstain i was correct so I will um, I will link that episode of Beyond the Darklands in my show notes, of course. And that concludes this week's episode of Hell No, a true crime podcast on the Black Widow herself. Super scary, twisted, dark stuff there today. Um, one of a kind, really. So to Catherine Knight, I say, hell no. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Bye, 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 bye